Hello, my name is David Turner and this is another Lunar Poetry Short and today I'm joined by S.A. Smythe. Hello, S.A. Hello. Um, as always, we're going to start with a reading. Alright, thank you. Uh, this one's called Languish. All of our language crowned, pulled joyous, an anchor back in from being dropped through the heavy dark, and the blinding thud of sickening contact, with axles spinning through the now muddy lawns as the bells outside sound helplessly. We slept before we made our way inside, the night and wildflowers, watching, she wept before we made our way upstairs, began breaking a window by opening it. Now there's a chorus that repeats itself, and our kneecaps cannot listen since we're too busy wanting to learn over and over and over again how to solve loneliness, how to become thieves filling rucksacks on rooftops. I watch the mystery of the same weddings of science and myth, of the Greeks and of whiteness. Did I build a boat out of berries and birch branches, try to row it up a mountain instead of just changing the boat? I waited for the sea to rise and for the rock to liken itself to an island, waited for the earth to library its boulders in a languid city. I walked with my arms out, picking bricks off the corners, swallowing things without names that do not care if they make my stomach hurt, as I sit in this bedroom, as I dress like a ghost, and dance to the sound of the swords marking the trees with their sharpness. The apples, the trees, they keel in the house that broke over the back porch. We kept walking trying to talk, kept making squeaks when trying to undo the most done deeds. I sometimes do not know how to end things. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, hello again. Hello Thank you again. for coming down to uh, Delphine Road. In Pleasure to be London. Yeah. Um, first question is always, why poetry? Why poetry? Um, yeah, I think a lot about it. Um, because I'm primarily an academic, I think, uh, although my friends have been telling me to consider myself as much of a poet as I want to consider myself. Um, but words have always been really important to me. Um, and as you saw in that poem there, language is also a really um, considerable part, not just who I am as a person, an academic, a poet, or all these labels, but sort of coming to consciousness and reconciling myself with my family. Um, I have a lot of different languages going on in my family, and so uh trying to really access <laughs> in a way beyond um i mean even though it's in english sort of accessing ways around and between that has been really important for me and there's something about poetry i mean i love novels i began reading at a really early age but something about how poetry is like the way to break those rules break the norms as long as you know them that's been really important to me I think in terms of language, poetry seems to work pretty... I mean, there are obviously some things which don't translate from language to language, but mm -hmm. poetry works in a way that is more about a way of speaking, isn't it, rather than the words themselves. And language is much more about how we communicate rather than just... You know, there's a, there are cultural elements to all languages and, yeah. and ways of describing things anyway. So I don't think... It's interesting when people... So do you work much in different languages... Uh, Languages other than English as well. Uh, in writing. terms of my in terms of my poetry, yes. Yeah. But um, to take a step back and respond to what you said, mm -hmm. I think um, that's interesting to me as well because actually uh, most of my poetry has been written. I mean, I've written a lot of things that I am um, only recently trying to get up the courage to share out loud. Um, recently in London, I've been doing a lot of open mics and I've been asked to do. 
performances in Manchester, um, Berlin, um, and here in London. But yeah, I think what you're saying is right. Like the, the, the spoken word is something separate almost than poetry. Like it, it makes me feel a little bit closer to what I've actually been trying to accomplish in the written word. Um, but yeah, I do write in, in other languages. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I've been lucky enough to see uh, spoken word events in other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I mean, I used to live in Scandinavia, so I saw a lot going on, even though I speak Norwegian, but it, you, you you don't miss out on as much as you perhaps expect by not understanding the language. You know, if a, if a poem is delivered well, you, there's still a lot of emotion involved. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think about the embodiment is really important, but also there are, um, and I have a friend of mine and we're trying to uh, create a chapbook, but with her visual work and my um, written, and it's really helping me think sort of hypertextually with the words and what they look like on the page and what they're really trying to convey. So giving the words their embodiment without my voice, um, but wholly with my voice, if that makes sense. Like different ways to um, sort of embody the words that I've I've been trying to grapple with and the ideas. Um, but I've spoken word, I used to live in New York City and spoken word, this place called the Sidewalk Cafe, um, and that's where you have, I mean, Regina Spector came up there before she became Regina Spector. A lot of people who um, are musicians, but they think um, embodiment and the way they do their phrasing of their lyrics in really interesting ways. And um, that's where I learned about, I mean, from far back as hip hop culture and the beginnings of that, the ways that spoken word is now, like that common, I don't know how to describe it, but you know, that spoken word phrasing Mm. that people do. Um, (laughs) I mean, that's really based in like one guy from from the late seventies. And so I'm really interested in, um, I I don't do it um, when I read, um, as you've heard, but I really am interested in other ways to sort of recite and really get around that, um, that common phrasing. Basically, I'm really interested in, in the textuality of it, which is kind of anathema to the spoken bit. But um, yeah, I don't know if that. No, no, there's definitely. I, I agree. I think there's definitely a spoken word language as well as yeah, definitely a way of speaking. That's, yeah, in spoken exactly. Word it sort of well. takes on its own um, language again. Like yeah. it goes. Everything we do, we try really hard to. Like it's the words that we're speaking. It's the embodiment <laughs> that we're doing. But then it goes back to language. If yeah. we can't really um, escape it, so I like to think um, and write about. Um, Sort of that inevitability. Mm. I think we'll talk about language a bit more in a moment. Yeah. But what outside of language, what have been the other influences over your writing? Um, like I was to say, family is definitely one of those things, um, and also, um, also vulnerability, which sounds really cliche. As the word came out of my mouth, I just cringed at it. <laughs> For the listener, I'm cringing, um, but. I so I present a sort of masculine of centre gender is kind of a thing that well you know oppresses all of us but also um, I I think a lot about in terms of my scholarship and in terms of my creative and then just living um, and there's something to be said about pushing that while still being comfortable I'm not sure whether that makes sense but really um, there's something about masculinity and um, not butch but butch identity and and these kinds of um, tropes that are bound to maleness that are really interesting to me and I really want to shatter them and I really like um, 
the and I'm not I'm not linking you know femininity to softness softness masculinity to hardness but there's something that I really like within myself about the softness and I often see that in my scholarship or the way that I dress and carry myself in the world I'm not afforded that and something about poetry um, lets me just stand up and be soft even in my writing I get to really um, sort through for myself and then get to share with others the fact that I am <laughs> damaged is a really harsh word but you know like I, I I've experienced things that have have wounded me and I could either let them sort of take advantage or I can really grapple with that and sort through them for myself and for my community um, etc um, and one of those things would be the loss of my father and the fraught relationship that we've had um, um, ever since that I've I've experienced a uh, a really strong or craving desire to keep writing and to write about that um, and then eventually I get to the place where I can see that bus beyond myself you know like it's not just about me and this particular loss it's really um, loss of again language loss of um, a sense of innocence and wholeness that can be afforded to us and that is not just in a nuclear sense but also in terms of diaspora. I'm not the only black person, person of colour, queer person who um, has travelled either emotionally or been forced to move or have been wrenched from a sense of um, comfort and stability and so that's a real inspiration. Mm -hmm. I think we'll, yeah, there's definitely a lot to uh, revisit. <laughs> Um, but we'll take another reading for the moment, sure. if you don't mind. Uh, okay. Um, and this one is called Rictus. Perché il silenzio arrongisce? Perché il terrore che conoscevo era la tua faccia dietro un vetro? Non ricevo gratitudine per essere una porta di legno inudibile. Avresti potuto dire di lasciare una pistola con proiettili nel mio nome. Sotto la piccola apparenza di enigmi. Non si è mai dimenticato di tacere mentre strisciano attorno alle nostre teste come mosche. Perdonami il bianco, è stato o la sette per la tua bocca o l'ombra di una memoria. Non posso dire. Il mio addio cenerio laverà i tuoi piedi con lavanda, con albicocche, con ciniglie ora leggermente roteate come vermi che contorcevano attraverso il riccio liberato. E con tutto il mio peso noto, e le lame delle mie unghie ingoiate, ho scelto di dimenticare la mia vecchia bestia di battistrada e di direzione. Per questo è andato avanti, prosegue ancora e non finirà. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, now I do believe that was Italian. <laughs> it sure was, <laughs> David. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you told me it was Italian beforehand. <laughs> I, I think I picked up enough of that. And, uh, but maybe... It would, oh, I'm, maybe there isn't a need for a question, but maybe you could just explain why you chose to read that particular poem today and how uh, language and in particular Italian informs your life and your work. Mm -hmm. I picked it, it's my favourite sounding one. <laughs> so <laughs> I um, actually just scrolled beyond the one that I intended to read okay. when coming in here based on our conversation. Um, and I really like it. Um, so I'm going to have to translate it, which a little bit defeats my purpose, but there's a portion um, in the poem that is, is hyper-visual. You'll see it, there's definitely a space between um, not just one stanza and the next, but the words themselves are scattered and one stanza on the page. And um, 
to Ben and the next stanza I sort of apologize for that for that space um, <clears throat> and I think a lot about <laughs> apologies um, and yeah and blankness in a way um, so that gap or the aporia is a word that I think it's like this Greek highfalutin word <laughs> basically meaning like this thing that cannot be sort of articulated um, and so there's a double irony there in that Italian is not my first language um, or my second um, and so the apology can be uh, one based in identity but also one based in trying to reach or get closer to bridging that gap of silence um, yeah so is there an element of guilt towards the silence so I find sometimes that um, especially with people that start writing and then getting up and speaking as well as mm -hmm. spoken word there then there then is an element of guilt culturally in the scene I think of, of staying silent about certain subjects I suppose people that write about identity mm -hmm. um, in terms of people of colour uh, queer, gender queer do you think there's an element of guilt for then any periods of silence and reflection and not continuing to talk about things? Or is there pressure outwardly to keep talking mm -hmm. about these things? Uh, that's a really good question. <clears throat> I've been thinking about that a lot. <laughs> I almost <laughs> used some profanity, I don't know if that was allowed on the podcast. No, it's fine, it's fine. But it, quite a bit, <laughs> David. <laughs> but um, because, um, you know, I've been in London for a year after moving from California and uh, you know you, you enter different communities and you see sort of different politics at play mm. or not at play um, and learn to you know get in where you fit in or, or resist where that's necessary but what's been really interesting um, oh and there's a whole thing which is not for this podcast about like how Facebook and social media presence sort of plays into that but there's been um, you know, short answer, I think you're right, and I think that's a little bit toxic. Um, when people are not generous with themselves, and so it's like a self-apology, but also with community, whatever fraught thing that means, where they feel like, okay, I'm coming to terms with my consciousness as a queer person, as, you know, you're already black, but coming to terms with black consciousness and, and any kind of radical or, or leftist or deeper form of that label throughout Sort of history of various communities and then it's not ironic but it's almost a double-edged sword the more that you get conscious the more that you feel like you have to um like take on sort of a, a more leftist or radical persona which actually defeats the purpose like you're supposed to become more liberated in yourself and how you identify um etc etc but that sometimes makes you feel you also know for example that you are one person, you don't represent an entire monolith, right? That's the first thing they teach us in Black Radicalism 101. We are not a monolith. I represent multitudes of X, Y, Z thing. And yet, you... Sometimes I see you express an opinion and then, like, the radical community will, like, jump on and say, whoa, this is, like, this is not conscious in these ways. You're forgetting these and these people. You're not doing these things right. And it becomes a bit of an attack. Like, you're not falling into line of another... another monolith, as mm. it were. Uh, and so the apologies sort of come from all sides and I <clears throat> I'm guilty of it from both ends and I really wish um, so yeah, the apology is a little bit um, different in terms of what I was just writing about but it, it does it does link up in terms of you know how we I like how and who we're apologizing for um, 
and I really it's not a thing that I know how to articulate but I really wish we could make manifest a liberation that doesn't require apologies and also like enables generosity like I can be able to make a mistake and not feel guilty if I'm experiencing something as an individual while recognizing I'm a part of something greater I should still be able to sort of slip up and get to my own journey mm. not on behalf of anyone else you know I think also and this goes for uh, all creatives you know um, doesn't matter about gender or sexuality or any of these issues but the the, the more you get I, the more you get pigeonholed by other people and because mm. this doesn't relate to how you view yourself it's always the, yeah. the boxes you're putting by other people the the less you're allowed any form of escapism for your writing mm -hmm. you know and I think there's a I think this has only come from conversations with other people who haven't we, uh, we haven't spoken this, about this between us but um, I think there's a lot of guilt for some writers that they want to just write something that is pure escapism sometimes mm -hmm. and then there's a guilt that's involved but the, 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 I might be going off on a bit of a tangent <coughs> but, um, no I don't think so but I think it may perhaps comes back to when you were saying, when you talked earlier about recognising elements of softness in yourself and not mm -hmm. wanting to link them to feminine uh, tricks in any way. But the, this, I suppose, all comes back to what languages we're allowed to use in other people's eyes, not, you know, not within ourselves. And mm -hmm. I suppose that then just takes us all back round to this original theme of what language yeah. you're told you can use and through the course of your own writing being able to find you know yeah um if there's <laughs> if i can go and take another stab at that first question yeah. why poetry it's because identity politics is a trap and i want to be <laughs> able to uh, articulate that as many times as possible yeah. maybe by that very sentence but also yeah i um and i didn't um just to be clear i was so I was saying i didn't want to make femininity to softness Yes. Um, but I'm super happy with being ascribed any kind of feminine mm. anything. Like the term masculine of centre is something I picked up um, in the US. It's not even used as much in um, in the UK as far as I'm... When people pick it up, it's clear that they've had encounters with the US. Um, yeah, if I could just be. <laughs> like, if, if the, like, there's this phrase, can I live? And if I could just do that, yeah, yeah. David, that would be really great. Yeah. But um, it's it's really impossible. And I, yeah, that... that that sense of guilt is really, really toxic, and I'm trying um, for myself not to feel it. So yeah, it is language that's described about other people, but then I take, I'm also hyper, I'm an anxious person, I'm, I'm hyper critical, and so what I do is I try to preempt um, people either reading my work or reading, I mean, like, gender's a presentation, it's performative, reading my performance, and I try to take that a step and then try to subvert it before they even get to make an opinion. But then, who quote unquote you are really gets lost yes, <laughs> and then you find yourself you know <laughs> sort of just swallowed up by that um, and sort of um assumes a lot of knowledge and attention by the audience doesn't yes it sure part. does because if they're not listening <laughs> yeah it doesn't even matter <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, no, they take what they take anyway <laughs> they're still going to be reading you the yeah, way yeah. that they want yeah. uh yeah that's absolutely true yep yeah, so i think there's uh still more to talk about but before we go on we'll have we'll take a third and final reading please F.A. that sounds great okay. this one's called the truth is the truth is if a screaming cat is an agonized child then the neighbor scraping autumn from her lawn could be a woman 
combing her hair so hard that hanks and clumps are ripping loose. He's coming for you. By each noise in the room against yours, a filament crackling, furniture scraped on the floor, the sigh of a vent at odd hours, or a kettle on heat. It's a throat held half-closed. If the animals are his too, the stray crossing your hearth, the birds filling your head, the moths immolated in your lamps. It doesn't matter if he's coming for you. He already has. Thank you very much. Um, so I believe at the moment you are visiting fellow at the University of London. Uh, and yes. So maybe we could talk about a bit like what you're up to at the moment and how, mm. uh, how that informs your writing. Yeah, so I'm uh, affiliated with the Institute of Modern Languages Research at the University of London. Um, it's a joint affiliation with the Centres for Cultural Memory and of Contemporary Women's Writing. So it's <clears throat> my PhD, just on the history of consciousness in California. Um, it's on Italian East African women's writing. So um, women and also gender non-conforming people who identify themselves as Italian um, but are, have East African origin. Um, and it's considering... Um, Really, these are like hyper-academic terms, but things like ontology and epistemology, so the state of being and the, the form of knowledge, formation of knowledge, um, that's based in blackness. Um, and really that links with Italian colonialism, thinking through um, politics of migration in the Mediterranean, um, and f and I, the, what I, how I use, um, what I use to bridge those things is uh, sort of the aesthetics of queerness and diaspora on and what I hope my projects are on in the future is really just shedding light on um, the writings that come about that are based on writings of migration specifically um, from East Africa um, into Italy and uh, internal migration um, in southern Europe. I'm really invested in thinking through blackness and black identity that is not um, sort of rooted in any sort of empirical way. So what we think we understand about blackness, even what we think we understand about black Europe, um, has been overshadowed by, first of all, Anglophone culture. There's English, French, German colonialism, and we think that that sort of the whole story. And Italy, what I work on specifically, mm -hmm. gets like a minor rap yeah. <laughs> within that. And so working in that um, has been really interesting um, personally, but also politically, thinking about politics of citizenship and identity and belonging, things that I've recently realised I'm obsessed with in my own personal narrative, um, but uh, are really important on this sort of broad scale, because Italy's got its own goings-on with citizenship mm. um, struggles at the moment. So it's, but it's not only, it's not only that, it's not just thinking about citizenship and second generation identity in Italy, but really thinking through, um, what it means to be black, like how does the ontology or being black um, change when we consider the Mediterranean as a site of that. The so Mediterranean is a very mixed place. Um, Southern Europe, Italy included, is a very syncretic place. It's a place that includes like different kinds of ethnicities, cultures, musicalities, identities. Um, 
it's a very diasporic place in and of itself. So if we really think, instead of saying there are a lot of black people coming, you know, the, what we read on the cover of all the newspapers now, people coming into Europe, but really thinking blackness already embedded in these places, what does that really mean for us to be black? Um, yeah, so these writers that I'm really invested in, um, so, you know, when I say writers, it's mm. really broad. They're poets, they're hip-hop artists, they're musicians, um, filmmakers, um, just creative writers. Um, don't and also cannot do that in places like Italy, where it's, you know, ostensibly a hyper, not just Christian, but hyper-Catholic. I mean, that's mm. where the Pope lives, basically. It's like, it's like Catholic foundation. Um, but also uh, has these, has this, you know, I almost want to say without migration but you know with what we know now to be italy there are anxieties already between the south and the north um those are definitely related to race um ethnicity and other kinds of belonging and in fact italian colonialism in a way just exacerbates the anxieties that were already present they basically cemented what it meant for italy to become a white nation um and that's why i'm interested in it it's not you know in England, where you have, ostensibly, there was this like, this sort of white nation that its empire went out. In some sense, Italy's imperial forays happened internal to itself. Uh, you know, southern Italy was an Arab nation, it was an Arab empire, rather. Um, and it definitely had all these, I keep using the words syncretism, but these, these like, amalgamation, these, like, this group of, like, mixing and, and mashups that, really need to be explored more. So that's, I'm really interested in that. And it really also feeds into my obsession with language because the language of colonialism, um, I'm gonna get so much flat because the word that's coming to my mind is beautiful, but I mean it in like, you know how awesome and initially meant like full of on, awful yes. and negative. Yeah. I don't mean like colonialism bad, right? <laughs> that is like the number one thing I wanna make sure I get identity politics is a trap, colonialism bad, as long as those things are clear. Um, <laughs> but, um, the way that these writers, most of whom are women, there are a few queer writers that I study, and also writing collectives that have different ethnic, age, national identities that write as one, I'm really interested in the beauty of that, in, uh, in the aftermath, as it were, of colonialism. The way that they can say, here are the pieces that you've left us, your violence, one of the writers, um, Gabriele Germandi, says that, you know, it stops with me. Like, the buck of colonialism stops here, I'm writing back. And the, the way that they're able to sort of resist the trend, but, but still taking on the identity, the national identity of Italian, is really, is really impressive to me. Um, and this is coming from someone, you know, my father's first language was Spanish and he would not teach me Spanish. My mum literally begged him. I begged him eventually when, uh, you know, people at my school were learning their, you know, French and learning German. I was like, could I just get in on this other language? Because I have to learn it at school anyway. It's not a negative thing. But I learned from a very early age the hierarchies of language and identity. Um, and to be able to write about how these women and people sort of take that burden release like liberate themselves from that burden sort of right back from a place of beautiful resistance is really um, it's impressive and i'm glad to do that work i think we're gonna have to write i read i hate cutting these <laughs> things off because we could talk for a lot longer about this yeah. hopefully we can talk again um just to wrap up if people want to check out your work is there any way they can follow you in terms of like, finding out where you're going to be reading or yes indeed um i have a twitter 
<laughs> which I'm working on being more active on. It's a S.A. Smythe, E-S-S-A-Y, S-M-Y-T-H-E, Twitter. Um, also WordPress um, and Gmail. Yeah, and I'm I'll happy put, to sort of do any readings. You yeah. can just write to me at those sites. I'll put uh, I'll put links in the uh, description box for this video. Thank you Cheers. very much, Essay. Thank you it's so been much. Really interesting. It's um, a pleasure. Yeah.